Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. I'm Michael Barth. Uh, no messing around today. I'm going to go straight into it. I'm going to get Steve on Zoom, and we're going to start chatting all things Porsche. Uh, this is Friday's episode, as you know. Steve is logging on to Zoom now. I just got his little message pop up. So let's just get Steve and let's just get straight into it. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Steve is here. I can hear him clicking away on his keyboard. Hi, Steve. Yeah, sorry. I'm super random this week. <laughs> Hi, mate. <laughs> See? <laughs> just talking without saying hello first. <laughs> Say hello to the listeners. They miss I, you. I'm officially... I'm, I'm officially all over the shop, so the listeners could possibly get the shits, but whatever. <laughs> I'm actually... Um, the listeners? The listeners. Is that what we call? We'll just say you guys. I'd always say you guys or the listeners. So I'm back in Bahrain. Steve knows that. I don't know if you guys know that, but I'm back in Bahrain. I'm a bit out of sorts, Steve, because I've got this, this different microphone stand and you can't see my face anymore because it covers my face. And it's not the one I use in London that I bought. And the one in London is so much better. And now I can't see my screen. To look at my reference material, uh, which I can is see why your shoulders I, nicely. Yeah, I know. Which is why I just um, knocked out my microphone. We just had a bit of a technical difficulty. Steve and I, we had to start again. Um, so, Steve, what's happening? Mm, why are you, why are you so flustered? Oh, just massive work day. Um, all these jobs kind of coming in at the same time. People wanting lots things money, with money. No, not lots of money. <laughs> just lots of work. New nine eleven. New Porsche. No, new Mazda Miata happen, MX-5. There's too many other things going on that will not lead to anything fun like that. One day. If the listeners don't already know, Steve's about to, well, Steve's not having it, but Steve's wife is about to have a baby in a month's time. Is that right, Steve? A month? Yeah, talk about stress. Yeah, so uh, he's a little bit stressed because he's going he's to have two children. <laughs> yeah, laugh it up. Two children... Uh, trying to work from home, um, just yeah, it's all hell's all all hell's gonna break loose. I but, laugh, um, I laugh with concern, Steve. I don't laugh in jest. I nah, laugh in concern. I'm sure everybody, like pretty much everybody that's kind of gone through it, just says, "Yeah, it just works. Don't worry about it." It's like, yeah, I'm sure it does, but it's hard not to. Um, the second one is easy though, right? Because you've already had one, so the second one's easy. You know what to do. Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. Yeah, I, I actually don't know. There's there's people that sort of say like um, that the second one isn't twice the work, but then pretty much most of the friends that I sort of trust and am more aligned with kind of went, no, nah, that's horseshit. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> don't, it's don't believe it. Don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, so I don't know, right. whatever. So that's what's happening. That's why Steve's a bit all over the place because he's making heaps of money and he's having another baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the latter bit. <laughs> all right. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, like I said, <clears throat> you know who I am. That's Steve. Steve's in um, Sydney. If this is the first time you're joining the podcast, um, welcome. I hope you've listened to other episodes before because you might listen to this one and think, okay, I'm not coming back, but please listen to the other episodes. Who are these idiots? Yeah, if, this, if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, please listen to the other episodes because this one might be a little bit random. Um, I just want to touch on the usual things, Steve. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I flew back into, before I get into that, as you know, I flew back into Bahrain on, what day is it? On Saturday. So we flew out of Heathrow, flew out of London. Uh, when I checked Scary? in, Steve... 
Uh, no, it was okay. It was actually okay. Yeah. When I checked yeah. in, I actually um, asked the guy at the counter and there was only 46 people on the flight. And this is on a Dreamliner, you know, a new Boeing plane that Gulf Air fly with. Hmm. Fly. Um, yeah, there was only 46 people. So it was really, really empty. Um, so without in- sounding funny, does it make you nervous to kind of fly given just all the kind of shit that's going on in the UK and all that? In some ways, I feel more comfortable being out of the UK at the moment. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, but yeah. the act of actually having to get out, is that uh, still... I don't know. I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, he, it, it's oh. quite scary because we fly out of Terminal 2 in London and Terminal 2 is always a terminal we used to fly out of um, for Singapore Airlines to go back to Sydney. So it's always a bit weird that mm-hmm. way. But it's so yeah. dead. You know, we've been to that terminal yeah. so many times. You know, the four or five flights back to Australia we used to do a year and... It, it's yep. just so dead, that terminal. It's it's scary. And there's no shops open because the shops in the airport can't open either. Yeah. So there's only takeaway course. coffee shops open, which is the same as in, you know, central London, basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was interesting. Um, flight was really fast. They were actually 40 minutes early, probably because the plane was so light. Um, there's mm. no way. Okay. Yeah, I think it's one of I think it's one of the first flights, Steve, that we actually took off. It was supposed to leave at nine thirty in the morning, and it left. We were like taxiing down the runway at nine thirty in the morning, so it was yeah. um it was super super quick. And then apart from that, it was easy. When you arrive in Bahrain, you get tested. You get the you know the stick up your nose. You got the stick. Yep, got yep. the stick. They moved the position of it though. They put the position in the old. What, arrivals? No, no, no. The, where they actually... No, no, no. Where they actually... Um, Steve, don't swear. You know, yesterday... I'm going to get... I'm going to, I'm going to diverge here. Yesterday, the podcast... I usually share the podcast yes. on Instagram through Spotify because it allows me to yep. share directly to Instagram. It wasn't on Spotify. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking they've, they've banned us because Steve swore in the last episode and I didn't think it was explicit. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And then it came uh-huh. up on Apple and I thought, okay, it's up on Apple, so it's okay. And then I didn't realize uh-huh. there was a big outage in the US yesterday with Spotify, Amazon, Google. Oh, okay. Some big outage. you were going to blame me. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was your fault. I was blaming you. I was yeah. saying, fuck, Steve, you know, <laughs> seriously. And, and, and now you just messed up this one. <laughs> anyway, back to Bahrain. Yeah, so it was okay. Had the test, negative, came through in six hours, the test, and now we've got another 10 days for an exit test, so then we have that. We have the opportunity to get um, the vaccination here because we're Bahraini residents. Um, mm-hmm. They do the vaccination and it's happening quickly. I think they're more organized right. than any other country in the world, but Bahrain's only got, you know, one and a half, I think it's one and a half million. I hope I'm not wrong. I think it's one and a half million mm-hmm. people. So you get the choice of the Chinese one or the FISA one or whatever it's called, FIFA, FISA. Yep. Um, so yep. people say to get the, don't get the Chinese one. Sinopharm or whatever it's called. <laughs> Because the Sinopharm right. one's not um, reliable, so you know it's it, it's in our mind. It's in our mind because um, Tasha's aunt, Tasha's father's uh, sister, died of coronavirus in Ireland last week. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah, That's, so um, you know, and her her funeral was um, day before yesterday, and unfortunately, it had to be streamed. It was like a streamed yeah. funeral, which was really distressing, and people couldn't really go, yeah. and her neighbours came out, and the son couldn't even go. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really it's terrible. terrible. When you hear, when you see that yeah. side of the story and, you know, it's really upsetting. I mean, I yeah. only met her a couple of times, but it's really, really upsetting. Hmm. Anyway, on to, on to other things. Apple. Apple loves us at the moment, Steve. And it loves us because Why? all of our listeners, all of our listeners are giving us 
reviews and ratings and and all the things that I asked for, they've they've been doing it. So thank you very much for that. Is it more swearing? Do they want more? No, there's no more things about swearing. Um, we got a couple. We got a couple of reviews. Um, I don't know if I'll read them. Love the podcast. Keep them coming. That was from Char Finch sixty nine in Great Britain, and then the other one was just titled Super. Super super podcast, great chat about Porsche. Would love to hear more about the Cayman from Hello from Montreal. That was Alex LAF in Canada. Mm-hmm. We've got our owner stories coming up. Owners? Yeah, we haven't done, I haven't had any. Oh, actually, I have had somebody, I think just recently, someone has approached me, I think it's got a Cayman, Cayman and something mm-hmm. else. But I have just done a Porsche called Owner Stories, which is coming up in the next couple of weeks, which yep. is a uh, Boxster, uh, 981 Boxster owner from Australia. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. coming up, Stephen. That's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So there is a Boxster story in there. Like I said, when we started Owner Story, Steve, we always wanted to have a bit of variety. It wasn't it wasn't nine we didn't call it nine eleven owner stories. We called it Porsche Porsche cooled owner stories because it's about any type of Porsche that you own. Correct? Mm-hmm. Until they'd um, come and see your ass for you. Yeah, so <clears throat> so um what was I saying? Yeah, so we have a Boxster one coming up, which is gonna be which is a good one. I've already recorded that. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully some Cayman, owner, Cayman owners will um, approach me and we can do a, a Cayman uh, Porsche good owner story as well. Um, on Apple Podcasts as well, Steve, we are – I wasn't going to mention this, but I mentioned it because I was listening to I'm, – I'm catching up on the old um, Spikes Car Radio. I don't listen yep. to them in London because in London I was a lazy ass and I didn't exercise at all. In Bahrain, right. I actually go to the gym every day or I run. You either go to the gym or I do a you know, six, seven-K run, seven-K run. Mm-hmm. So in that, I always listen to my podcast. So I've started to listen to Spike again, and he was mentioning he was they were number one in some bizarre countries. Nepal. Obviously, he'd been looking. Huh? Nepal. Nepal. Nepal, that's right. Nepal, was that there for is real? Nepal. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I thought I'd tell the listeners that the top six countries um, on Apple podcast charts, so this is for automotive podcasts. This is out of all automotive podcasts, everyone that says they're an automotive podcast, this is the rating. Mm-hmm. And it changes regularly. It changes weekly or, you know, by day or, you know, every second or third day or something. I think it depends. Um, we've been number two in Malaysia for some time. We were actually number one there for a bit. Now we're number two. We're mm-hmm. number seven in Norway. Uh, Nordic countries like us. We're, we're quite high up in Sweden as well. We're number 12 in France, Steve. They like the swearing. Yep. Yeah. We're number 15 in Italy. We're number uh-huh. 25 in Great Britain, which makes me happy. Uh Actually, Australia should have been before because we're number twenty and number twenty-one in Australia, which is quite high for Australia. The one I'm a bit upset about is we're not high in the US, even though most of our viewers are from the US. We're only we vary in the US. I think the highest we've been in the US is about forty-five or fifty. I think. You need to, but you need to pull some pretty, a pretty large audience to kind of rate highly, wouldn't you? So many Americans. Yeah, you do. But when you think about it, the American podcasts are mm. in these Norway charts and everything, you know, Spike and everything. We're ahead of them mm. in these, these countries. So we appeal to certain countries, but obviously in America, the um, I guess the American podcasts are higher rating. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I thought the listeners might be interested mm-hmm. in hearing that and you as well, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, Patreon, uh, Patreon is uh, where we get the support for the podcast. As you know, this podcast doesn't have any sponsors. Probably because we haven't been approached by any sponsors and I haven't actually approached anyone to get sponsors. <laughs> it could my, be that. <laughs> my, wife, my wife, Natasha, says that, you know, I should be out there trying to get um, sponsors for the podcast. I said if she'd like to do it, she can do it for me. 
Um, so we'll see what happens with that, Steve. <laughs> is, is that, is that a, in all seriousness, is that an actual ambition? We've never talked about that. We haven't really talked about never. it, though. But I guess, you know, um, most people do this for money. We do it for our passion. We do it for our, you know, we're enthusiasts and we're passionate and this is what we do it for. Yeah, so. somebody who I'm just getting work for is um, a specialist in um, podcasts. <laughs> so I've only just thought of this. Well, I actually did think about it when he told me. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, did you tell him you do it? Get some did you tell him you're a, to get more professional. Did you tell him you're a podcast host? No, I did not. Because you know that's that's because what you, you are. are. Right? You know, you know, in your no. LinkedIn LinkedIn profile now, you can say podcast host. Mm, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you're getting. Yeah, I'm a podcast guest, aren't I? <laughs> no, you're a host. You're not a guest. What are you talking about? I don't know. You're not a guest. You're a host. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Patreon is where we get the support for the podcast. It's where we, you know, can buy equipment. It's just to keep us talking, basically. That's what I always say. It's to keep us talking. We've got two new members this week and a big shout out to these two people because, I, you know, I know both of them. Uh, Jack, hmm. I'll mention is the first Jack. one. Jack is um, at sunburn underscore lobster underscore 911. Have a look at Jack's Instagram at sunburn underscore lobster underscore 911. Jack is uh, going to be on next week's Owner Stories. He's got a really good story. Uh, he's actually mm-hmm. mates with Nick, who owns the 912, who I spoke with a little while back on Owner Stories, Steve. Mm-hmm. And um, Does this mean he drives a tangerine something or other? I sent you the link, right, that Jack had put out the post he put on uh, Pins- Piston Heads with so. the um, interior, with the lobster interior. Yeah, I sent it to you. I sent it to you before I spoke yeah. to Jack. Yeah, yeah, I sent it to you. You never look at anything. Oh, okay. I don't know. Send you this stuff and you never look at it. Um, I'm a guest. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, Jack, for joining. I've already told Jack thanks, but you can say thanks as well, Steve. I did. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> um, and then we've got Mark. Everyone knows Mark. Mark is from Mark and Cars. Mark's got that really beautiful uh, 356, who was also on a previous owner stories. Mark joined uh, Porsche Cooled Exclusive as well. And I want to give Mark a bit of a shout out because uh, Mark and I talk occasionally, but Mark has got a podcast that he's just started, Steve. Mm-hmm. called Classic Prattle, Classic Prattle, which is a good name. Mm-hmm. And that's on, I think the first ep- the first episode is up. It's up on uh, Apple, Podbean, Google, I think the usual places like our podcasts. Um, so go and mm-hmm. uh, give Mark some support. Go and listen to his podcast. Um, he's just started, first one. It's not easy. It's not easy to start a pod- podcast, so um, all the support will um, help him out there. Is it Porsche only or is it... Um I think it's classic in general. Uh, I think it's classic in general. I don't think it's just Porsche. Okay. I think it's more. It could be more in general. It's probably Porsche, yep. more Porsche centric. I ha- centric. He did say it yep. wasn't the same as our podcast, so I think it's more about um, classics. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is like this podcast, mate. <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm saying it's unique. <clears throat> I'm just checking down to make sure I'm recording. I don't know where I am today. I, I feel like I'm not even recording this or not talking. This microphone is throwing me <laughs> off today, this stand, I tell you. I don't know where. I can't get comfortable. Every time I bend down, I've got a baseball cap on, as you can see. Every time I bend down, it keeps hitting the microphone. Um, yeah, so check that out. Classic Prattle, that's Mark. And uh, yeah, that's about it for that one. Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. I know you haven't listened to it, Steve, because I know you've been really busy. No, I did. Oh, you did listen to it? Uh, yeah, while well, I was working today. And? 
It's good. It's really good. <laughs> well, that's a lot of, <laughs> lot of enthusiasm there. Sorry, Kestas. You know, Steve is normally more enthusiastic than this. So this, this week's owner's story was um, Kestas from Italy. Uh, when I spoke to Kestas, he was in Lithuania, actually, because he's, he's home. He's got a home in Lithuania as well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed talking to Kestas. He's really, you know, he made me smile during that whole owner's story. He really did. Um, mm. We did it on an afternoon, I think. It was an afternoon before Christmas in London. And um, it's a great story. And, like, he – the bit I like the best is the fact that he bought it from a, a dealer in Germany – you know, he flew there, he drove home test drove it. He test drove it with a dealer, with a dealer. I think he says it in the story, right? He test drove it on the yeah. autobahn so he could just, you know, floor it, which is like, you know. See what happens. <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty amazing test drive experience. And then he takes a long way home back to Italy through the Alps. And that, they're all those great mm. photos. The photo that I put on the thumbnail for the podcast and the photo that's going to be on the thumbnail for the YouTube um, version of his podcast um, yep. Are all the, are photos through that that drive back through Italy, and I put another pretty rare one. Rare car, right? Yeah, huh? yeah. It's a pretty rare car, isn't it? Not, yes, it is. Yeah, the nine nine seven. Not that many of them. No, the nine nine seven, Steve. The nine nine seven. You know, it's a really nice car. The nine nine seven point two Carrera four GTS. Yeah. Right, and his spec. I mean, when he first sent me the photo ages ago, his spec I think is just perfect on that car. Like it's got carbon mm. ceramics. Um, yep. It's got the black wheels with the silver lip, you know, the tan interior with the black. There is something really yep. nice about black cars with tan interior. I think, you know, for me, the only color, exterior color that I would accept a tan interior is on a black car. It just just works. Or maybe the dark blue, the midnight blue. Mm, yeah, I'm still not a massive fan of tan, but I wouldn't say no. My uncle, my uncle's 902, no, no, one, sorry. 901.2 came with a tan interior on night blue. Quite like that. I was surprised. I thought I wouldn't like it, but it's, yeah, it's nice. It's just that compared to, say, a silver, uh, Arctic silver mm. or GT silver 911 with tan, which, yep. which doesn't look terrible, but for me it looks a bit washed out. It's a bit too subtle. You know what I mean? There's not enough mm-hmm. contrast mm-hmm. between the two colours. I like it when there's a big contrast between the exterior and the interior, and I think that's why the tan, yep. the tan with the black or the tan with the midnight uh, blue... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Kestas's car, if you haven't listened to that owner's story, take a listen. It's a really good one. Um, like I said, Carrera 4 GTS, really well optioned. Um, he went there to buy a 4S. He went to the showroom. That he went to buy a 4S, which was a lower kilometer car. And in the corner of his eye, he saw the, <laughs> the center lock wheels and he saw this, this GTS and a Carrera 4 GTS. So he actually decided on that one. Um, but I think I he's got I bet you that happens all the time. Yeah, when you um, when you're a dealer and people kind of wander in with something in mind, but there's other sort of things to kind of distract people. Yeah, and this dealer in Germany, it only sells mm. um, Porsche. It only sells used Porsche. Porsches, specializes yeah. in it, yeah. so it was actually a, a pretty. I can't remember the name of the of the company. He did mention it, um, but mm. he. But even though they had a good rep, he still checked them out. He still checked the Google reviews and and made sure they had reasonable reviews and everything. But um, he got a great car. It's a really mm. good story. Really. Um, yeah, like I said, he was infectious. He was so happy and he was so, you know, he, he, he loves the car so much and, you know, really nice guy. So really good story. So check mm. that out. Uh, you can look at his Instagram as well. It's at 99 written out, N-I-N-E dot N-I-N-E dot seven, 
S-E-V-E-N. So check out Kestas's Instagram. He's got some great photos of his car from that trip back through through Switzerland and, and some other ones. And also one where he parked on the street in Rome, which is the one I was distressed about, Steve. Yeah, I've not been, but I understood what you were sort of saying. I would, never bit, park my, <laughs> I would never park my 911 in the street in Rome. I don't come like back in my car in Wallara and Sydney. <laughs> <little and. coughs> so what yeah, else has been happening, I'd... Steve? Give me something. How was the uh, – uh, oh, your mate with his GT3, he was getting it serviced, right? Was that was that uh, fully fully yeah, done? fully done. It was in the shop for a whole week, I think. Monday – dropped in on a Monday, picked it up on a Saturday morning. Um, he was just chit-chatting with me along the way, just asking me stuff. The low, so his car checks out, um, you know, um, the indie mechanic, a German guy, uh, what's his name? Andre? can't remember. Sorry, I'm going to get it wrong, so I won't name his name. Um, said that it was a great car, um, no sort of major issues, went through it like completely, changed out all the fluids, inclusive of gearbox, electric transmission, um, oil, checked everything out. Um, sent it out to a suspension specialist to do a geo setup, um, yeah. East Coast Suspensions in, um, where are they? They're sort of down south-ish. Um, I've heard of them before. I've never used them. Um, uh, what's the guy's name there? David. Um, David apparently reset the whole thing up, took the spaces off. There were spaces on um, this car, which he recommended against so i think they got removed um and so he would have had to buy new bolts then uh no i think it came in i think my mate said that um it came with a bag of bolts as well um so because he's got it came with two sets of wheels one standard set of um just the kind of standard gt3 wheels like mine and then um we can't figure out what um the aftermarket another sort of set of aftermarkets and one set of Trofeo R's and one set of um, Michelin Cup 2's like mine. So he tried them both and he's on the the aftermarkets with the um, Cup 2's on it and now he's taken the spaces off. Okay, um, but you said he liked the, he preferred the R tyres better, didn't he? Didn't you say he preferred the R tyres? Um, oh, well, look, I was just curious because, like, R tyres are proper full-on Trofeo R's, are, you know, full, full track tyres. Um and I remember my first drive of a GT3, like, it's like, man, this thing's so grippy. It's so sticky compared to just anything else that I've driven, including, you know, like four-wheel drive, um, you know, WRXs and S3s and all of that sort of thing. Um, and I think I put it down to the tyres because I'd never driven a car on um, semi-slicks. My car came fitted with Pirelli courses. Um uh, so, like, what well, you might sort of equate it to, like, remember when you jumped in my car and you you filmed it? Um, you know that feeling of grip that yeah. you kind of the difference between your car and my car. No, it feels sticky. I I don't know how it yeah, can feel I, sticky when you're driving it, but there's some different feeling of the tires where you feel like you. It's feel it's almost like, and I'm doing my hand movement, using Steve hands. again. Yeah. It's like you're flat on the like. You sit in the car and the tires just go. I'm I'm sticking like jelly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a melted ice cream. It's like they just. You feel like you're on the on the tarmac. I don't know. It's it's a you weird just, feeling. You just don't have to. You can break so much later into a corner, and you can just go. It feels like you can 
go around a corner without lean and all of that sort of stuff, blah, blah, blah. So that was my impression of going from a standard tyre to um, what was a Pirelli Corsa, which is the equivalent of a cup tyre. So then I just assumed that the step change for my mate from going from a Cup 2 to a Trofeo R might be similar. So I was really curious to find out if that's how he felt about it. And it sounds a little bit like the answer is yes, like it's it's noticeably stickier. Um, but he sort of said that he didn't mind the Cup 2s um, uh, on the street and, you know, yeah, he was enjoying it. So um, Here's a question for you. Could I get hmm. the Cup 2s on my car? Yeah, of course you can. So why can. wouldn't it's... I get Cup Twos? What would you? Is that overkill to have Cup Twos on a nine nine seven Carrera? Depends on your usage. No, 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 no. Not but at all. But if it improves your driving usage. experience, if it makes the driving experience that little bit better, and you don't drive the car as a daily, because Cup Twos don't last as long, right? They they don't last as long as a normal. No. Probably like my PS Twos that I have on it. Yeah, no, they'll wear, they'll wear much quicker because it's a softer compound. Like, of course you can, but the, so the interesting thing about that, because this is just like, you know, layman hypothesis kind of thing, just an everyday person as opposed to somebody that does track time, is that because I'd never experienced it before, I put a lot of that kind of the, the feeling of grip down to the tyres as opposed to the car. Um I still think that you would have to kind of drive really hard to kind of get anywhere close to the limits of the car on, you know, standard tyres, let alone cup tyres, let alone yeah. then going to Trofeo R's. You, yeah. you need to be on a track to do all of that stuff. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're never going to pick it on the street. True, but, um, true. But, yeah, I'm assuming, I don't know, you'll, you'll have more knowledgeable people um, listening to this than me. Like, my guess is that, yeah, for sure, you could put cup twos on your car um, and it'd be awesome. But um, would, I wonder you, would it be if worth anyone... it? Yeah, if anyone's listening and they've got Cup Two Cup Two tires or R spec tires on their base Carrera, let me know. I'd be interested to know what what they're like. If anyone's done it, probably no one's done it though. I don't know if anyone would have done it unless they're doing track days. Yeah, no, people will have done it. So because I'm considering, like I've babbled on before, um, about going the opposite way. Like my next tires, maybe I won't replace them with Cup Twos and put um, PS Four Ss on it, but. I believe when you kind of read about it that um, 4S's kind of dry grip is actually really high as well, like just because tyre technology is kind of moving so quickly. Yeah, yeah. What else, mate? Um, Yeah, so my mate's happy. Um, He's he's a very happy camper. His car's good. He spent a bit of money. A lot of money? A lot of money, I bet. Yeah, pretty big bill, but, you know, like in the same shoes as him, I'd do exactly the same because... The car's new to him. He's kind of reset everything, so he's got an absolute kind of baseline where he knows exactly what's been done to it. And, yep. yeah. you know, hopefully the next next few years, like he just does the alternate minor service, major service, and he's kind of all sort of set up and good. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, good one. He's talking a lot about mods <laughs> already. Really? But, um, exhaust mods. We'll see. Oh, he's got an exhaust already, uh, hasn't he? Interior leather yeah, mods, right? Good. Yeah, or pretty much all of that sort of Give stuff. Give him um, Linus's details. <laughs> Why, well, so he can? Um, no, I won't say that. <laughs> you know, I you know, I just remembered the other day. I was like, mm. oh, it's the end of January. I was, I was telling Nick actually about it in the UK. End of January. Mm. I haven't heard from him. <laughs> Where's my sunroof part? Uh, 
Man, man. So you haven't man. heard? Uh, no. Is, um, is Nick happy with the bits that he got? In Nick the still hasn't paid for the bit that I had Tasha's brother send from Australia that ended up in Australia. He hasn't paid for it. But he's got it. I've paid he's for mine. He hasn't everything. paid for his. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what else? Despite, so, despite yeah. the shenanigans, he's happy with the actual kind of Yeah, yeah. But no, no, he's going to get – Nick's going to get more things done. I mean, you can't you can't fault the quality. The quality is, is good, no. right? It, it's the yeah, other side yeah. of it, which is not – I hope he doesn't listen to this because I really do respect him and I think he's a good guy and he, you know, he does a great job. But you know, communication side of it, not a hundred percent. Exhaust, mate. Yeah, exhaust. You're, you're probably missing out on the um, the good part of it because you've dealt with all of that stuff, but you actually haven't had a chance to touch the parts and install it on your car and all of that. So this is what I'm saying. This is what the problem is: is that I've got all those parts yeah. sitting in a box, which you know. Tasha's brother was at our place. Of. Yeah, Tasha's brother was at our place and said, "Oh, here's your box of Porsche parts." It's like, yeah, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're just sitting there, and it's like, yeah, I, I wish I could actually see them. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I just want to see them to make sure they're okay. I'm sure they're okay. The I did mention this before, but the inner door, the inner leather door sill looks yes. a little bit strange. The inside of it, because I think it's Alcantara what? on the inside. It's not full leather. He's put Alcantara on the inside of it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, why? I know. That's what it looks like. It looks like it's got Alcantara. I don't know why it wouldn't be full leather because I know yours from Exclusive Option are full leather. Yeah, 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 it is. You're talking about the um, – so the face that sort of – In a uh, door sill, the little uh, – the thing where the umbrella goes in and the other thing goes in. There's a little rubber thing that goes inside that. There's rubber on the on the bottom. There's a rubber pad. Yeah. But, but you just pull it out. But the sides of that, of the sides of that cavity, I think it looked yep. like they're Alcantara. Hmm, that's weird we, if you put a wet umbrella in it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I could be wrong, but they look like they're Alcantara. Okay. It's definitely not the same leather as the outside. So I, I, I don't know. It means too late now. Whatever. Yep. Sell it. Sell it to your mate. I'll sell it to your mate for $700. <laughs> Ask him if he wants any leather parts and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sell it to him. They're, they're like $1,300 on exclusive option, I think, 1300 US. Just save it up for your GT3, mate. Just get your, get your GT3 and all these bits anything. that you can sort of swap Can't them over. Anything. Got no money. Got no mm. money left. It's all gone. <laughs> I'm not going to say where it's gone. Steve knows where it's gone, but I have no money left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People don't need to know about that, mate. Um, next, uh, the exhaust tips. Did you get the? Um, you're going to get them resurfaced or something? Right? Um, yeah, I've got um, Shark Work style exhaust tips, just the black things. Um, every time I go visit my folks, they kind of get a bit scraped on the back underside of it because um, of the driveway, even with the lift and all that sort of stuff. You so, need to slow down when you um, go in the driveway. It's got nothing to do with speed. <laughs> It's called living in Sydney. Um, yeah, so I took them off and um, found a found a place that um, do ceramic coating. So just um, I've actually got two pairs of tips and just sort of thought stuff it, give it to the guy and let him um, let him recoat them and see how it turns out. Right. Um, hey, I had a I had a message on Instagram DM. I just mentioned this quickly. I, I, we're not going to yeah. go through it in depth today. But I had a message from Matau. I think it's Matau. 
Mattel, Mattel, Mattel. Sorry, Mattel, if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Um, he just asked me, Matthew. Is it? No, it's Mattel. Isn't it French? It looks French to me. Anyway, I always get these these names wrong, so I apologize. Um, he just sent a message, which I read out to you before, about you know he's uh, wanted to know where we think the nine nine seven turbo sits and. You know, between the yeah. base Carrera and the Carrera GT cars in terms of value experience. And he said he's debating mm-hmm. whether to get back into a base Carrera or 4S 997.1 or a turbo. Obviously, there's value in the base 997.1, but but turbo is a turbo. Yep, I agree with that. For, does he, make does a that good imply topic. that he's, he's had a 911 before? He must have. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, f- for me, a 997, you know, I'll be honest, and Steve's going to cringe when I say this. I've been looking at 991.1 Turbo S's online. (laughs) I've been distracted because I found one on car sales and it was like 250,000 Australian dollars for a Turbo S in white. Mm -hmm. Cheapest Mm -hmm. one I found because normally they're in the 300s, right? And there's one for sale in Queensland for... You know, it's 250K and it's amazing. It's got yep. no kilometers. And But then I thought, hey, you know, the 997.1 turbo is really, really good. Is it really hard to get yep. a manual on those? See, I, I would, it'd have to yep. be a 997.1 manual. And we're going to talk about manuals in a second with the 992. Um, yep. But it would have to be a manual. So I think, yeah, get a, get a turbo, get a 0.1 because it's a Metzger. The 0.2 isn't, correct? Yep. Um, and get, correct. and, I think you have to get a manual. You have to get a manual. You can't get a you, you can't get the PDK. Hard to come by. They're hard to come by though, aren't they? And when they do come up, yep. and I know one came up, I think, in classic throttle shop in Sydney, and it was expensive. It was a lot. In fact, I think it was more than the nine nine one point one Turbo S that I found online. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Funny that you say that too, because um the dude Marcus who I dropped my exhaust tips off to do the ceramic coating. He saw my car and said, oh, really, really nice car. And we started talking about it. And he said, oh, I've been looking at 997.1 turbos. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so he's, we just had a little chat about them. But they, the, the value of them, um, like pretty much every other 911, though, is kind of seems to be rising. But I think, I think if you're looking at a 997.1 turbo, you have to really consider what you're spending because I, I know that they've come up. I know, I think on car sales now, I looked a few weeks back and I think they were around 200,000. 190, 200,000, 180, 200,000 people are asking for them in Australia. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough decision, but in some ways it's a very easy decision. If I had the choice and there was... Just say the that silver GT3 that's still for sale in Perth, Steve. That's on car sales, yep, yep. and it's two hundred and thirty Australian dollars, two hundred thirty thousand yep. Australian dollars. I would pay the extra thirty k and get the GT3. I, I think that's yep. a to me that's a no brainer. I would I would take the GT3. Turbo two hundreds, um, like it's it's obviously a lot of money, but I think it's still pretty good buying. And like, if you, the, if the original question is, uh, what a four S versus a turbo. Well, he was just I'd saying the base is good value. You know what I mean? And I, I think, mm. you know, he just said that, you know, he's currently debating with myself on whether to get back into a base. He must've had a nine eleven before in a base or a four S nine nine seven point one or a turbo. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't beat the value of a 997 Carrera. You can still get a 997 Carrera for, you know, reasonable reasonable money. What are they now? Good one. Depends what country you're in, Not I guess. Not as good as yours. Yeah. You know that... Oh, okay, um, go Australia? 
you well you know it's very it's very it's really weird at the moment if you do a search for base carrera manual hardly Mm. any come up hardly Mm. any come up and i think they're i think they're about 90 aren't they they're about 90 I haven't been um, keeping it. The one that's gone up a lot is, and I was saying this to someone the yep. other day, is the Carrera S. The Carrera S, uh, I was talking to, I used to talk to a guy every now and again, I follow him on Instagram, who bought one at the same time, mm. almost the same time I bought my 997, and he bought an mm. S, and he paid 78000 mm-hmm. for it. Um, a Carrera S now, 997, 2006, is about 110 mm-hmm. ish, 110, 115. Yeah, right. Okay. So the prices have definitely gone up. But anyway, yeah. it's 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 a tough one to answer that one because there's a lot in it. Like I said, if you're if you're nine nine seven point one turbo, Steve, I think we both agree. If it's getting close to that GT three price, you'd have to go the GT three. Even though they're both Metzger, it's different. You know, the GT three is a GT three. I guess unless you want four seats, unless you want a four seat, you know. Yeah, like if it's if the GT three, if you're if you're excluding that because of practical reasons like no back seats or whatever else, I don't think it's as impractical as people some people allude to. I I do think that you could drive it every day, but then you might wind up driving the value out of it if you're going to do it. Um, yeah, so true. Yes, a turbo is a turbo is a more everyday car. It's more GT than. Um, as, as in a touring kind of car as opposed to a GT3 kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'd, yeah. But, yes, like in terms of the scale from base to, to S to GTS to turbo to GT3, like um, if I didn't have a GT3 and there was no such thing as a GT3 and I was looking at 997s, which model would I go for? Yeah, I think I'd probably be putting turbo yeah. Or GTS at the top of the list. I mean, it's a nice-looking car. I have to say, though, I do like the 991.1 Turbo S. The guy in the building here mm. has got a Turbo. I thought it was a Turbo S in white, but it's down the there now. One, yeah. yeah, it's still here again. Yeah. It's downstairs. And it just tempts me. I just look at it, and those those rear flanks, you know, the way, the shape of it, the, and it, it seems to sit a lot lower as well than my 997. I stood next to it the other day, and it was just feels lower. I don't know why. I don't. It shouldn't be lower, but it feels lower. Maybe because it's maybe because it's wider. Maybe because it is wider. Yeah, I was about to say the proportions look really wide. Like when you look at um, 992s, particularly how kind of wide they look, um, just because yeah. of the design, the the sort of proportions of it. It looks super wide now. Yeah, we're going to skip through these next two things because we're just going. We want to get back onto. We want to get back onto the main topic, which is the manual uh, manual 992 that the article that we read, and we want to get onto the rally cars. Which is mm-hmm. what this podcast is supposed to be about, and we're getting distracted. Um, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, uh, Stephen, who's on the owner stories coming up, the guy that owns the Boxster in Sydney, he gave me that site vinanalytics.com. I hadn't heard of, yep. heard of it. It's probably really well known. Um, he said you can put the uh, VIN in. You yep. can put the VIN in there, and you can get all the details. I put my VIN in there. The only thing that came up said car not found or something, which worried me. Yep. But it only said 2006 Porsche 911. That's all it said. Did you try it? Yeah, I've used, I've tried it before. Um, most recently, when my uncle bought his 991.2, which was a couple of months ago, I was asking him, remember, you were asking me, like, oh, does it have rear steer and what options does it have on it? So um, I asked my uncle and he said he didn't know. And then I said, oh, can you go, go and give me the VIN and I'll go and look it up? Or we were having the conversation about um, option codes on stickers in, in um, the owner's manuals. Yeah, yeah. And there was no such thing in, in, um, so there's no sticker at all, not even in the owner's manual in his really? car. 
So then I went to try to look up his VIN on VIN Analytics and it didn't come up. So I actually yeah. couldn't figure it out. I know in, in the past I've tried another VIN searcher and for mm. some reason they seem to work. I think they're only for US cars. US cars, yeah. But maybe they work on newer cars. Steven said it worked for his though because he gave it to me and he said it worked for his. So I'm not sure why, it, but, it, but, but your uncle's car's new and didn't work for his. Yeah. So no, that's work. weird. That's very weird. Uh, like, it's a bit of, it's hard actually because, you know, I kept asking my uncle all these questions about the options, etc. And then um, he just said, oh, can you figure it out for me? And I tried. But, um, but you can. Like the you, last resort is to basically just go to a Porsche dealership and ask them to look or it up you, and tell you. you could go to Order House and he'll, he, there's that guy in Porsche, Sydney, that'll do the search for you. And I think it was Tim, mm. Tim at Order House did it for me. He called him and gave him my VIN and then he gave me the printout. Yeah. They sent him through the printout of all the things that were on my car, the whole history of the car. Yeah. Like I so, know when I bought my car, I paid that silly thing on car sales where you can spend like 10 or 20 bucks on the whatever it's called. I can't remember. I think PPSR. it's Carfax. All right. Something like that. Right. And it will kind of give you a report. Um, so I kind of got that and it had all of my options listed, but the previous owner for me actually knew what they all were as well. So Okay. Well, we tried it. Didn't work for me. Um, there's a really good article. We're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to mention it. Uh, roadandtrack.com. Do a search for it. It's every generation of the 911. It's an interesting article, Steve. Did you get a chance to read it? I didn't. Sorry. Yeah, it goes through every every generation. It has like a bit of information about it. It's quite good if you're coming into the brand and you're not sort of sure. There's not a lot of information in the article, but it, it it's still good for a you know first 911 buyer, someone looking to get into Porsche. Um, so that's a, mm. worth a look. It's on Road and Track. It's a new article. It only just came out. But if you just search every generation of the 911 on Road and Track, the article will come up. It came up pretty much straight away for me when I searched for it. Um, mm. Manual 992. Now, we had this conversation before where Porsche in Australia was not allowing Carrera S people to order the manual. Um, they're yeah, only going to, which is weird. Apparently, they're only going to allow the manual in the, 99, in the GTS. There's an article on Motor Trend. I don't know where I, I can't really put the links to these in the in the description of the podcast because they get lost and they get all out of whack on the description with Apple. Apple does a really weird formatting thing. But mm. um, there's an article on Motor Trend and it's about the 992 manual. If you just do a search for that, you can get it. They had pretty high praise. Did you get a chance to read the article, Steve, or not? Or just I sort of skimmed it. Sorry, mate. <laughs> So I liked, I'm going to read a couple of things that I liked in the article and I thought it was quite well written. Um, and I think it just shows you that the, the manuals are not over. They're really not over, right? No, um, and especially this bit, he said, the result is that you never really think about driving the car. You think about, this is what he said about a manual transmission. He said, the result is that you never really think about driving the car. You think about how best to drive the car, best line, best place to brake, best place to roll on the throttle and so on. In a way, the driver is juggling the objects of the same weight. There is no managing the car's idiosyncrasies or foibles. There's just the road ahead and how to put it behind you. What's more, the car rewards your best efforts by improving the harder you drive it right up to its easily recognized limits. You know, that's, I thought that was quite interesting, you know, that's a manual. And then he said, then he goes into the thing about three pedals or three letters, right? So whether PDK Mm -hmm. or the manual. When combined with Porsche's benchmark launch control system, PDK proves faster to any speed around any racetrack, right? 
So why mm-hmm. is the row your own gear box still available? And he goes, tradition, take rate, as in not many people take it up, I guess, take rate, is that what it means? And driver involvement. It? Yeah, it is. And driver yep. involvement. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know what I mean? Yep. I thought that was pretty yep. interesting. Um, and then he go, the article goes on to say about the speed, you know, how that, uh, what do they say? The transmission is obviously slower than a PDK. We all know that. I mean, but the, yep. the, but the manual, you know, Steve and I are old school. We're, we're manual enthusiasts. We're manual people. We like the manual. Yep. And yep. I don't hate the PDK. I've had a few people on owner's stories who think that I'm like I'm, I'm a PDK hater. I don't hate the PDK. PDK, I like it, but I, I think I still prefer the manual. Because it's not always about the fastest 0 to 100. And in this article, Steve, they say that, that obviously the manual is slower than the PDK on the 0 to 60 yeah. miles per hour, 0 to 100 kilometers hour. Yeah. But, you know, it's not the I most important. Yeah, but it's not the most important factor. Driver involvement is, you know what I mean? Um, but basically it says you lose fractions of a second with each manual upshift. 0 to 60 miles an hour, which is 0 to 100, slips a full yeah. second behind to four seconds. Yeah, and I reckon to add to that, though, like that's if you've heard um, Jason Camisa sort of talking about like the way that um, car journos actually kind of get numbers, like they actually kind of measure statistics. I think it's Road and Track are the kind of experts in it, not Motor Trend. Yeah, Road and Track. He sort of said that they're they're the ones that are very um, diligent in their sort of testing regime. Um, You're basically, you're dumping the clutch, which like, no enthusiast would ever really do like so i was going to sort of say like i'm sure that the actual kind of speed differential between a manual you know um car and a pdk car is actually even bigger than one seconds because um for you to kind of get a really good time out of a manual car you've actually got to dump your clutch and you've got to shift super quick and all of that sort of stuff and balance your clutch and this and that um but who's ever really that rough with their car like yeah. you know i know yeah. i kind of drive like grandma but um uh arguably with a pdk car like all you have to do is stick it in launch control or even if you don't want to stick it in launch control yeah. you just mash the throttle and you're away i mean um, people yeah yeah true i mean people who have gone so from arguably, manual yeah go on yeah uh, sorry arguably a manual car is by far slower, like even more than like any sort of statistics kind of say in, in real world. Like when was the last time you kind of drag raced anyone on the street too? Like you're never going to yeah. do that. Yeah. But is <laughs> you it know, more like you might have a it, little bit of fun once you're in gear. Yeah, but is it more engaging? See, this is the exactly. thing. Is it more engaging? So it's not about the speed. Yeah, it's, got, it's not about the speed. It's actually got nothing to do with the no. sort of um, racing somebody else and the actual physical times. It's about the sensations. Well, you know, let's be honest, 0 to 100 or 0 to 60 times now are crazy on new cars. You know, three seconds, you know what I mean? Like three seconds, 0 yeah. to 100 in three seconds. Like, you know, you don't really need to go that fast, you know? Mm. What are you, you're not drag racing on the street. Yeah, actually, it's an interesting point. Like, I wonder if you put like a V-box or a race box on your car... And you didn't, like, sorry, in a manual car, and you didn't actually kind of launch it, like, you know, trying to get the best um, time. And you just sort of did, like, a quick kind of start. I wonder how quick that would actually be. Yeah. Like, my car's supposed to be low, I think, 4.1 seconds, but I bet you it's nothing like it would be the way I drive actually. it. If I tried to do it enthusiastically, I bet you it's not even Yeah, close we should try that. Like we should do five that. Seconds. That's a good video. We should do a video on that when I'm back in Sydney. That is a good video. How much is a V-Box? Mm. No idea. Uh, okay. Sure, I can find someone who's got one. Yeah, borrow one. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? You know, for me, 
I'm still not convinced that I will get the same feeling. And like I said, I don't hate the PDK. I still don't, and mm. I think it's very, you know, it's up there with the best, one of the best transmissions. I, I don't think yep. for me I would get the same experience in the twisties on the mountain roads, going down, going up them in a PDK. I just don't, you know, because I know how I like the gears through those roads and, I, you know, I know yep. how I like second and third gears so much in those roads. I, I just don't know if I'd, ha I'd get the same experience, Steve. Yeah, I agree. I'm um, like, you know, you, you and I know we're both on the same page with that. I just, I don't feel like I'm as in control in an automatic or even a PDK kind of car. It yeah. always feels like the car's kind of uh, pushing. Yeah. So even when you're on the brakes, it doesn't feel like it's sort of slowing. Um, like, you know, and I know it's not exactly the same, but the McCann, you know, my wife's McCann is a PDK. Um, I used to kind of, uh, drive on the paddles a little bit, but you also, I don't know, there's something about it that makes you a bit complacent. So, right. And with the convenience comes some of the, um, you just sort of lose some of the involvement. And that's the fun bit. I mean, it's probably part of the reason why I actually do find her car a little bit boring to drive. Yeah. I yeah. Suppose. But like it even, makes sense on a Macan, though. You don't want a manual Macan, you know. Oh, absolutely. The PDK it makes sense on those sort of cars. It, it depends on the car. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people just, I've talked, just, people I've spoken about with PDKs love them. You know, uh, Kestas loves his his PDK. James at Auto Amateur, you know, went from manual manual nine nine seven to nine nine one PDK. Loves it. You know. Yeah, and look, arguably, um, you do actually obviously have the same control. Like, if you kind of go down a bit of road that you like, uh, know and like, you obviously can choose exactly what gear you want to be in, and it will actually get to it quicker. Yeah, um, so true. it's not. When I sort of describe control, it's not that because you kind of know that you can select exactly what you want. That's what's good about a PDK because it doesn't do that weird thing of, you know, being too slow to shift gears or choose the wrong gear for you. But yeah. um, even though, like, I occasionally attempt to heel and toe and all that type of thing, I can't do it like very well at all but um the other it's thing, just fun trying to do all that sort of stuff yeah it is and the other thing i i am slightly concerned about is that a manual mm. transmission if you have to replace a clutch you kind of know what it costs what is the lifespan of a pdk transmission on a 911 they're pretty durable aren't they and what is the cost if you have to read. replace that pdk transmission i think someone threw me a figure once through message It'll and be said high. it was 20 yeah. grand and I don't yeah. know whether that was US. It probably was US. They said it was twenty grand. I have no idea. I don't really know. But I, it'll it'll obviously be high. But I think one good thing about them is that they're supposed to be very durable. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I just want to do a, a quick shout out as well because I think it's a good video, and you and the listeners should go and watch it. James yeah. at Porsche Platz who's been on the mm -hmm. owner stories. James was the, the guy from Melbourne, the owner from Melbourne, who's had a lot of Porsches over the years. I think he may have just bought another SC because I saw it on his Instagram where it was starting up. I think he bought an SC. I think in the, story, in the stories he mentioned he wanted to get another SC. But he bought that mm -hmm. 996 GT3 Cup car, Steve. You've watched the video. Yeah, um, he's finished the restoration on it. The car that he bought was an ex-Fitzgerald racing car, which is a well-known racing team in Australia. Um, he bought yep. the 996 Cup car. It was red. He found it at some dealer. I think he got it for a reasonably good price. Um, and he's restored it. It's yellow again. It's as per it was. He's put all the livery on it. And if you go to yep. um, Outlaw Garage on YouTube, uh, I think it's just Outlaw Garage. Yeah, Outlaw Garage on YouTube. 
And yep. the video, one of the latest videos, I think it might be the second latest video now, it was uh, called Porsche 996 GT3 Cup Car Experience. You see James, he goes out with the Outlaw Garage guy and they do a, he's done a track day in it already and that was some um, filmed on that track day. And it sounds so it pretty amazing, huh? It's pretty awesome. Yeah, the I mean, the engine sounds amazing. Like it does like proper kind of GT3 thing. But um, it's also the transmission whine. There's something about race cars where you can kind of hear the gears kind of whining in combination with the acceleration of the engine. Um, in that vid, um, he hooked up a GoPro, like the classic thing of kind of sticking it on the back of the car. Um, the exhaust noise from the back sounds amazing too, so... Have I ever been in a cup car? It'll be a great experience. James, if you're listening, when I come back to yeah. Australia, I have to come to Melbourne and, and go for a, if you still have it by then. I know you turn your cars over pretty quickly, but we mm. would definitely be up for going out in that car, that's for sure. Hey, Steve. Mm. Cool. Way cool. Um, Very nice car. All right. We've talked about safari cars on the podcast before. I don't really know what the difference between a safari car and a rally car is. Aren't they pretty much the same? I might sound like an idiot here, but a Porsche safari cars and rally cars <laughs> almost the same. Mm, safari cars pumped up more for like literally the safari rally, the African safari. So they're slightly different, like aren't they? Dakar. I don't know what the what the nuance is, what the differences are. I don't know the fine points of it. There's a lot more undulations and it's a lot rougher kind of thing in terms of the difference between those two motorsport events do you want to start this one steve based on the video you sent mm, me i'm sorry i've lost my I've well lost the video the, the first video that steve sent me i'll let steve get his the video oh, you the sent me was that thing. evo vid from 2010 that one first because that one to me i, I watched oh, that sorry okay yeah we'll start with that one because i think yep. if you didn't think you were interested in porsche rally cars or porsche rally just and this is not even you know this is chris harris when he was with evo back in 2010 uh with francois delacour 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 yeah, yeah. and it gives chris harris a ride that basically he'll never forget i think it said in the description in the 997 porsche 911 gt3 rs it's not even a rally car but he's a rally driver uh on route yep. napoleon in in france um so it's he's pretty, obviously in his element. Yeah, he's he's just this kind of mad French driver. I don't know. Like he's back in the day of kind of Colin McRae and um, Richard Burns and all those guys. I remember watching because I used to follow Rally WRC religiously um, and he used to race then. So I didn't realise too, like at some point in time, he's sort of like a bit of a Porsche sort of fanatic and he was trying to kind of get... Um, I think he wanted to run them, not in WRC, but like in sort of pretty high up competition, um, but he couldn't kind of get it in. So um, however it came about, Chris Harris um, <laughs> um, got a ride in um, this GT3 RS um, with Francois Delacour and Francois Delacour just is a maniac. Um, and just the reactions on Chris Harris's face is yeah. hilarious. But you know what um, I love about that video is the, he was, yeah. Francois Delacour is in his 70s, right? I don't think he's that old. No, he he's just not looks, 70, I, 60s. He looks older, no. I don't even not, think he'd be 60. I think, I think he's just graying. That's really? All. I thought he was older than that. Yeah. But it's the look on his face when he's in that car, when he starts driving. And I don't know what it is about race drivers or rally drivers. Or form, it's, that, it's that look that they have, you know, where they're just so in yeah. the moment. You know, they're just so connected yeah. with the car. And that's what, if you haven't seen that video, go to Evo and look for that video because it, it really is a great video, hey, Steve. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny, but like if you're a kind of Porsche guy, it's cool. And just sort of seeing the enthusiasm that he's got, um, 
and he does like donuts at the end just for fun. And, you know, he's, he's obviously kind of driving through his local, you know, um, probably where lo- local roads that he kind of knows really well. And I think he's sort of, there's a nod somewhere where he, um, he sort of said that people around know what he's like kind of thing, but he's obviously driving like a maniac. But having said that, he's a, you know, ex WRC kind of, rally driver so he certainly knows how to control the car yeah he's basically treating the gt3 rs like a rally car <laughs> mm. he's basically like driving it he he i mean it makes you want to learn how to drive better that's all i say when you see it it's just amazing these people they're just so connected they're just so connected you see it in their eyes yeah i think also too like um oh, i don't know how how in-depth we're kind of getting in terms of this topic um i know i'd sort of actually semi-suggested it too but the, the sort of topic was kind of Porsche rally cars, but I've had the opportunity to kind of get a couple of rides in rally cars. Um, I don't know, uh, because I used to work on car accounts. Um, yeah. And um, not saying that I know anything about it, but when you kind of watch like high-level kind of um, motorsport as well, um, rally car drivers, just the skills are amazing to drive like that. The car control on loose surfaces, um, I mean, I know it's a skill onto its own sort of driving on, tarmac and asphalt on tracks and everything but to kind of uh react and control um your car so perfectly on in rally driving is so amazing so yeah so um, the car when you, you, when in, you watch it on telly but the car you in was the auto house car right driven by who well i've actually had so uh the thing that you're referring to is that auto house ran a car with jeff david um Grant, the um, owner of Auto House, actually has history in rallying. I think he used to work for um, Mitsubishi Rally Art at some point right. um, back in the day. So he's right. he's a mad kind of rally guy. Um, so he and Jeff David um, built and raced a, oh man, this is what I was looking for before. It was a 1979 Yeah, It's a three-litre so- car that was built for the London to Sydney Marathon. Um they they competed in this car, um, which I kind of helped actually do the livery for it, um, which was a lot of fun. The guys sort of were shaking the car down at one point in time and they took it out to, um, oh, geez, where was that? Uh, between Bathurst. It was just between um, Janolan Caves and Bathurst. What is it? Oberon. Oberon, okay. There's a, there's a sort of a track out at Oberon, which they obviously kind of do a little bit of testing at. And... Um, they very kindly invited me and there were a few other sort of auto house um, people that kind of came out. And um, Jeff took us for a spin in his um, in his beastie kind of rally car and it was like amazing. <laughs> so I just cool. Wanted, I just want to tell the listeners, Steve has actually been very, very kind here and he's um, he's got a video of this. I mean, it's, it's old school. Um, it's old sort of format, right? It's weird format, isn't hmm. it? Um, but it's a great video. Well, it's three four. It's yeah, it's sorry, three four. four three and... It's three four three, and Steve's in the in the passenger seat. And um, I'm going to put that on um, Patreon for the members on Patreon. It's going to be a members only thing, so you have to be a member of Porsche School to see it. And I'm going to put that on uh, you, when you when you're listening to this podcast, it'll be up there. So Steve said it's cool to put it up, so you'll see um, Steve in the yeah. in the passenger seat and the experience. It's a it's a pretty cool video as well. But how did it feel, Steve? It, though, though? Is... Were you scared? Yeah. No. No, and that's the thing, like, because, like, okay, so you just go to your stereotypical kind of thing of what you think a ride in a rally car would be. And, like, on on 
on gravel with trees either side of you, no guardrails, you know, like the classic handbrake through the, um, you know, like the fence and all of that sort of stuff. Like this thing at Oberon was exactly like that. And you kind of think, like I think in your brain before um, you ever do it, you would kind of go, wow, this is going to be kind of a bit scary. But even in the passenger seat, you can feel the car gripping. You can actually feel the tyres biting into the, the gravel and you can kind of tell that everything that Jeff was doing at the time was in complete control. Like there wasn't, even though like the car is sliding, um, it's controlled sliding. So he knew exactly where the car was being positioned and um, all of that sort of stuff. And you kind of get a sense from, of that even in the passenger seat. So right. um, super cool. Like I've, I've been lucky enough, like I said, because I've worked on car accounts, I've been on, um, like I've been in a Jag S Type R around Eastern Creek with Mark Which Weber. Which one? Oh, that was Mark um, Weber, was it? That would have been a great experience. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. But see, like I was going to say, the difference between Tarmac and Rally, so I've had a few kind of, you know, hot laps and things like that. And I've been in, um, there's a rally car driver called Chris Evans who took me around in a golf rally car as well. Um that was amazing. And by far, like going going for a ride in a rally car is so much more fun um, just because of that sensation that I was talking about. And that's sort of why I kind of go, oh, man, like um, so much respect for um, rally car drivers. Um, so, yeah, like and look, the interesting, the other sort of bring it back to um, Porsches is like when you think rally car, I think you kind of classically think of, um, you know, four-wheel drive, turbocharged, whatever like these days i don't know what sort of engine capacity is but you know like my fondest memories are wrx kind of days and you know mitsubishi evo days with um tommy mackinan and all that sort of stuff like colin mccray um you don't naturally think of porsche when you think of rally no no you don't um because it's like oh it's a real drive you know flat flat um you know three plus liter engine um, but apparently, um, I remember talking to Jeff David about it, like apparently it's the perfect car to go rallying in because all the weight's at the back, so all that traction that you kind of get, all the reasons that you enjoy driving on tarmac applies to rally and it's even more um, It's even more to your benefit to have those sorts of traits in a rally car. So um, and yeah. then you kind of go, oh, man, like it's an old rally car, like the one that he was campaigning was a 1970s kind of thing and he's flying around the forest in an old 911. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember when I went to I went, cool. to I went to a rally um, when I lived in Wyong. Uh, yeah. Near Wyong, there's a forest called the Wadigan Forest and they right. had, and I'm not sure what the name of this rally was, they had a rally that used to go through the Wadigan Forest um, yeah, yeah, and I went yeah. to it one year. I don't know how old I was. I, I don't even know how yeah. I got there. I don't even know what how it happened. And I remember Can being remember on the side. what sort of cars were flying around? Yeah, being on the side. And this is, you know, this is a long time ago. So there's not yeah. much, there's no protection, there's no safety, right? And the cars yeah, yeah, come so close to you. Like it, it's yeah. the experience of watching that, I think as a, as a motorsport, and, you know, I'm a Formula One fan, I'm a big Formula One fan, but I don't think you can get yeah, any yeah. closer to the action than, than rally. It's just, and I don't know what if they've changed it's it dangerous now. dangerous too. And, and it's dangerous. And you're so close. Yeah. You're so close. And it yeah. was just... I don't know. It was it was something that's very memorable. Something I always remember. It was a it was a great experience going to that. It's hard as a spectator, though, isn't it? Because you've got to trek through the forest, and then you've yeah. really only got to stand in one point. So unlike a circuit, they don't kind of keep looping back around. You only get to see the yeah. car, yeah. different competitors once, sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, um, like yeah, amazing good. sound too, because of um, the 
exhausts and all that sort of thing. Yep. So, um, well, look, I had a little dig around in terms of like the history of like really successful kind of rally cars. Okay. Um, with 911s, like to kind of go back to that point. And I think, I think it was a point that Jackie X, right? Jackie X was one of the main ones, right? Oh, yeah, I think he was. And Vic Elford as well, like one Monte Carlo uh, uh, right. in 1968. Okay. Yep, yeah. Driving a two litre 911S. Um, then, like, the 959s were kind of campaigned in the Parry Dakar. They kind of won in 1986. I've kind of gotten the notes here. Those old photos of the 959 in the Dakar, there's photos that are going around Instagram. I think I saw someone. They, yeah. they look, yep. those photos are just so cool. They're just so, yeah. so cool. I, because I like as as I sort of tried to make excuses, I had a really massive day work wise. So I didn't have much time to prep for this, um, as you can tell, because I'm completely all over the shop. But no, but I didn't realize I saw was in, also, your, in your notes. I didn't realize SCs were the were the. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, nor did I. Um, I and not I'd like I keep talking like I'm a huge rally fan, but um, I'm talking Colin McRae Like obviously SCs were well before that. I'm taken a wild guess like where when was this 80 SC's would be 80s late 70s 80s for sure 78 so what would they kind of have competed against that'd be that'd still be like minis and escorts and stuff like that I don't know Audi was Audi 80s or was it escorts Quattro is Quattro Quattro's probably a little bit after that a little bit after 80s 81 82 maybe yeah, so I didn't realise that SCs had this massive heritage in um, sort of winning um, like Monte Carlo and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, yeah really interesting. Really, there's really a lot interesting. of history. I mean, there's that. Um, we, we've, I mean, I've seen it before, and I think I, I sent you the link. The, hmm. you know, on YouTube, the Porsche Top Five, where Walter Roll goes through his top uh, five rally cars. Did you see that? Did you get a chance mm-hmm. to look at it? I didn't, but I can keep talking. Um, it's interesting. I mean, they're not all nine elevens. He has the number five is the 911 Paris Dakar, uh, which was the 959. Yep. 959 Paris Dakar. The 953, as this car is also known, took part in the 1984 Paris Dakar rally. So that was his yeah, number yeah, five. Yeah. Number four was actually the Cayenne, the Cayenne S tra- Trans Siberia. That Trans Siberia um, with the orange decals. Yeah, and yeah. The orange that limited edition one that they're selling, which you can buy, which was has gone up in value like a hell of a lot. It's very expensive to buy yep. now. That was 2008. Yep. Number three, yep. not a 911 again. He has a 924 Carrera GTS. Yep. Um, and that was uh, 1981 German Rally Championship. And then yep. SC, like you said, number two, 911 SC Safari, yep. which is a cool-looking one. Oh, which is another Safari car, though, yeah. Yeah, 78. <clears throat> so the SC, I, I don't know why I always thought the SC was only 80s car, but it came out in the set late 70s, right? So it, SC uh, 1978 took part in the Safari Rally in Kenya. So is that the car that then would be sort of like the inspiration for like Lee King's creations? And I think like so. Matt Farah's car and stuff? That's I, that's the car that sort of they're all referencing really then, isn't it? But he, use, he tends to use the model after the SC. Yeah, but that... That's sort of where this kind of whole safari thing comes from. Yeah. Because even, I mean, even though that's a rally car, that's <coughs> a more pumped up kind of safari type thing as opposed yeah. to 
Um, yep. Just so the listeners know, I'm looking at this on, on Newsroom at Porsche, Porsche Newsroom, and if you do a search, there's an article and it's got Walter Roll and his top five rally cars. I think there's a video on YouTube as well, but if you just go to Porsche Newsroom, you'll see it. But that number two, Steve, the 911 SC Safari, that looks like yeah. kind of Likinish, doesn't it, the way they've styled it? Yeah, it does. You can see what his inspiration yep. is. And then number one, yep. which I found really interesting, which is Walter Roll's pick, is the 911 GT3 996. And I don't find that as surprising because you know? I'm having a – well, no, just because like having a 997 GT3, when you start looking it up on YouTube, 996 and 997 GT3 rally cars like come up all the time. And then when you start watching them, um, you just sort of see these insane kind of GT3s kind of going around. Um, a lot of them are sort of probably more like tarmac rallies as opposed to kind of gravel. Oh, okay. Um, but um, when you – when you start researching exhaust particularly, um, yeah. that's when you start kind of arriving at all of these kind of mad kind of rally um, videos because the exhaust, I don't know. Why there is, is there a special rally exhaust? I don't know if it's special. Maybe it's less restricted or something. I don't know. Because maybe like um, I'm taking a guess that um, track days, like all tracks kind of have um, noise regulations, but maybe maybe if you're out driving in the forest or on kind of tarmac um sort of sealed off tarmac roads they don't put noise restrictions on so you can uh, right. pretty much run a straight through <clears throat> right 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 um and then the um the type 7 film which i hadn't actually watched and you sent me the link and i have actually seen the sh- i've seen little clips of it on youtube um and i knew it's it was cool. nat 7 it's and it was cool. done type 7 sorry and it was done by the type 7 team you know gushu and hmm. nat twists and the guy from australia yep. the graphic guy they were all involved in it it's just a it's just a um, nice sort of um, film piece because they, they don't normally they don't normally do film, do they? Type seven. No, well, they I think don't. Kind of getting into it. And the comments in the YouTube video. This is um. It's called Shakedown, a Type Seven film. If you haven't already seen it, there have been little yeah. clips on Instagram. Like I said, it's on um, YouTube, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah it basically, is. it's a Type Seven production with rally cars, and the rally cars are well, the drivers are Richard Tuttle and and Dickie Meaden. They had the name of the owner awesome. of the yeah. They had the name of the owner of the car. I can't remember. It was like RP or PJ or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and it's shot in the UK in a place called the Colworth Grounds. I'm not sure where that is, but it's a great place to shoot it. And this and some yeah. of those shots, Steve. Some of those drone footage and the shots are just yeah. It's really beautifully it's shot. Just a really beautiful, beautiful film. Like honestly, you just watch it. Even the music. Normally, the music really annoys me on these things because they always pick the wrong music. But even the music seems to yeah. work really well with it. It's it's. It's, yeah. you know, hands hands up in the air for Type 7 because they've done a really great job on this. It's very nicely done. But um, um, Mr. Gushu has done a great job. I think those cars too, like, may have popped up because Richard Tuttle got so much um, so much PR from doing that Singer ACS thing. I think um, I have a feeling that maybe the car that was in the background, like, the, sorry, that features in this Type 7 film was always in the background in that ACS in some of that... Um, PR but there's stuff for the two ACS. cars, isn't there? There's two cars in this film. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. One of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. The so first one. Cool. I like that scene where the first one where he's driving it. Tuttle's driving it. You know, he's very casual, and you know, like he's 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 just such a and talking about a driver. He's he's such a great driver. And then when yeah. the tires, when they take the tires off, and how trash those tires are, and he's changing the tires on the side of the road, and then the other car comes past. That that scene is a really good transition, don't you think? Yeah. It's 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 a very cool video, um, like just fun to watch kind of thing. So um, check it out. It kind of makes you after watching the Type Seven one. I have to say, it kind of makes you want to get a rally car. 
Yeah, it's funny that. I, I wonder how you get into it. Because um, it makes the, you want to get one. I was and, referring to. Yeah, and do do these rallies. You know, these amateur rallies or something even. Yeah, and that's where you seriously got to get like an old beta kind of thing to to figure out um, how to do it. Because like I can imagine that um, the car would sort of seriously kind of get trashed. Like I remember Chris Harris was. Um, was sort of trying to come to grips with rally car driving back when he was, I think, Evo days. And I think he bought a, geez, was it an old E30 M3? If it wasn't an, if it wasn't an M3, it was um, sort of being rebuilt to be like an M3, but he was kind of going to campaign that in rallies. But I remember right. I think he had a stack like in the first race or the second race or something like that. Um, but the, it's funny, like I think some of the really good motoring journeys, like him and... Um, uh, Henry Catchpole, uh, sort of quite good on dirt. So I think um, it it obviously goes to kind of building your skill if you can um, figure out how to drive drive on a loose surface. I mean, it'd be it'd be a great thing to do. You know, if we did it, we'd have to we'd have to use your <laughs> your money. <laughs> <laughs> that means that there's zero money. <laughs> this is the general trend of making sure the listeners know that Steve is rich. Yeah, <laughs> and right. Poor. <laughs> yeah right uh, what else mate I think that's it I think that's it I think that's it um, that was a good one I enjoyed yes. that it was a good chat it makes me it, it really does make you think about rally cars though and Porsche rally cars and, and you, you understand the weight you know the weight in the back and, and when you see that Type 7 film and you see Tuttle driving that car and, and Mead and driving those cars it's you know and then the, the French uh, you know Francois Delacour driving the GT3 RS you know it really makes you want to improve your skills, doesn't it? It really makes you want to, like, get better. Yeah. I reckon all motorsports like that because even, like, whenever we were talking about track stuff or watching James Porsche Platz and the cup car and all of that, my mate sort of now with his GT3, he keeps he's trying to figure out some driver training. It makes you really itchy to kind of learn and to kind of go and do it. But um, but even uh, watching James, yeah. though, he's been doing it for years, you know what I mean? He's been doing track yeah, days and doing tell. that for years and you can tell, yeah. That's what, you know, it takes, a, it takes a long time. He to wasn't flogging the car at all. No, he yeah, wasn't. He wasn't flogging the car at all. But um, I think that's also the thing, though, because um, if you're a good driver, it sort of looks quite smooth and seamless. Like whenever like that, when I, um, not meaning to sound like I was name dropping, but when I was um, going for that hot lap with Mark Weber in the um, S-Type R around Eastern Creek, like I don't know if I think I don't think he was sort of being at all, but I'm pretty sure he had like one elbow up on the kind of <laughs> you know, like on the window, and he's yeah, hooning yeah. around in this V8 supercharged V8, and he's talking to me while he's kind of doing it, and it all seems like you know you're just going for a drive to the shops kind of thing. Like, yeah. so obviously the mark of a good driver is sort of being so completely in control, and everything seems really smooth and seamless rather than like really frantic. Yeah. And watching kind of and watching and James and uh, James in that video, it looks that way. You know what I mean? It's all very, you know. Yeah, seems yeah. quite slow, doesn't it? But um, but sure it's not that. S- quite... But it's not that slow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the outlaw yeah. garage yeah. guy. Sorry, I can't remember his name. The outlaw garage guy is like, you know, you can see he really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? He really did enjoy it. Great experience. Yeah, even when you, if anyone does go and look at that little video of uh, my ride in that rally car, the Patreon guys, I think there's um. There's um, some speed um, measurements on the video as well. It goes like yeah. I think it winds up going pretty quick because there's no real straights in that as well. Yeah, no, it's he's going. I can't fast, remember exactly how quick it goes. He's going fast. It's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
No, I'll put that up and, you know, like I said, when, when this podcast goes up, they'll get to watch that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Right. Thank, thanks, Steve. Sorry, mate. I know I was all over the shop, so no, apologies. No, it's good. Not um, over the but, shop. Don't, make, don't apologize. Yeah. Don't apologize. It's good. It's good. Um, all right. That's it. Nothing else. Every We're week. done. Take care, mate. Another week. Yeah. Another podcast. Talk to you. Episode 72, Steve. Episode 72. We're getting to 80. We're going to be at 80 soon. We're going to be at 100. Wasn't as special as number 70, mate. Wasn't number like a special edition. Special. 70th. Because it's 70th <laughs> Porsche's anniversary in 2018, wasn't it? 70th. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Porsche School podcast. That was Steve coming all the way through Zoom. The wonders of Zoom. I love Zoom. From Sydney. Um, and I'm back in Bahrain. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.